Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erica, and it's our misogynist of the week, and we still have David here, who has stuck around. I cannot believe it. I was a little worried there that it was going to be, we have our misogynist of the week. (laughs) David's here. (laughs) Oh, there's a long line before you, my friend. Oh, thank God. Oh, but uh, I just want to say thank you for the submission, because we always struggle with this. We're like, hmm, sometimes we have too many. It's mm-hmm. feasters famine. Sometimes, sometimes it's like, oh, but it's not really misogyny. It's more homophobia, <laughs> you know. And and then you're like, eh, I'm not sure. And then, eh, what's the, you know? So, you know, um, I almost think that this is. I'm surprised that this guy hasn't shown up yet. But I feel like this is the inaugural for ma- for many more appearances to come. And it is. Maxime Bernier. Over the weekend, Maxime Bernier, leader of the People's Party of Canada. How does this not sound communist? The People's Party of Canada? Yeah. Oh, it, it sounds absolutely communist. I, I'm just like, you sure you're all right with The, the only way to make there? it sound more communist would be to call the Democratic People's Party. Of <laughs> I know. Which is an irony in itself. It's, yes. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. Is, this is sort of like the more explicit you have to be about how democratic you are, the less democratic you are as a This rule. is true. There's, yeah. you know what? There's a Tywin Lannister quote that I can yeah. slip in here. Oh, here we go. And it's, it's something about if you have to tell people you're a king, then you're not really the king. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which is something I live by, actually. It's like if you have to tell me you're a nice guy, you're an asshole. Yeah. See, you didn't have to tell me. Uh, well, I, so, sometimes <laughs> people are surprised, but I'm actually, I don't, I just. He's like, I'm all right. Thing. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm harmless. I'm mostly harmless. <laughs> right. Back to the People's Party of Canada, the far right federal party that sounds like communist China, took to Twitter to share his thoughts. And when I say thoughts, I use that loosely related to employment equity. Oh, good Lord. (laughs) A National Post column from Christy Blatchford. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Christy Blatchford is in the mix. Oh, my gosh. One of the biggest misogynists here. (laughs) Sorry. I will carry on without commentary. So Christy Blatchford highlighted that the Canadian forces limits the applications for certain jobs to women only because because employment equity targets aren't met. In her column, Blatchford writes, quote, for instance, a sheet from July 26th last year clearly shows that spots in 17 jobs, ranging from armored and artillery workers, ammunition technicians, and medical techs to postal clerks were designated employment equity and were then accepting applications from females only. Shouldn't it say from women's women only? Because like females, it's like like calling women females. I don't know. I have a problem with that in general. In response to this story, Bernier tweeted, quote, 
our armed forces should be hiring the most competent candidates to defend our country. Instead, they have to fill quotas based on gender and ethnicity. Where did ethnicity come into this? I thought we were just <laughs> talking about gender. <laughs> we were supposed to get rid of systemic discrimination. Isn't this the same guy who said wow. it didn't it didn't exist? This is also the guy that says he doesn't comment on foreign tragedies. Uh, until he does. Until he does. Instead, we've institutionalized it. Wow. News at 11. When asked by someone on Twitter about what made him think that women or people of color weren't qualified, Bernier replied, quote, typical dishonest reply from diversity cultist. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't. I, let me explain again. <laughs> women are members of minorities who are qualified, don't need employment equity programs. Those who are not qualified should not be hired. No group privilege. Same rules for everyone. That's true. Fairness. I, 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 I like. No, I don't. I don't like what he. What like? What's with the capitalization? I feel shouted at. <laughs> it, it is Trumpian. It is very Trump. It's oh. so bizarre. So um, Maxime Bernier, who basically has the same thoughts of, as Tony Blair on this issue, as we've talked about in the uh, regular episode this week, um, thinks that people who are qualified um, just automatically get in because meritocracy. Uh, you know, I, I responded to it by saying that anyone who's who's read a magazine with a poll quote about implicit bias knows that that's just not true. The myth of meritocracy has been debunked time and time again, as has the myth that the right person um, that that e that meritocracy is even possible on on strict terms. Um, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Full stop. He just doesn't understand the structures of power. He doesn't understand implicit bias. Um, you know, maybe that's a, a laudable goal. We can have a we can have a real discussion about whether or not uh, you know we could establish a meritocracy and that would be the right thing to do. Uh, plenty of good arguments for that. It's objectively, verifiably, demonstrably untrue mm -hmm. that we have it, and it's bonkers to assume it. And I, he just plain simple doesn't know what he's talking about. I think that's fair <laughs> that he's you know vacuous in every sense of the imagination i mean i mean <laughs> i mean i just okay so um the fact that it came from christy blatchford is exactly part of the problem i you know christy blatchford writes this column and in every one of her columns is some thread of misogyny in some way or about how women um, are treated as though we're special, but we shouldn't be treated that way. And, and, and it really does sort of galvanize this idea of feminism, which has been co-opted, and equality, which has been co-opted by these people, which is, well, you're equal. What's your problem? Um, it's there in the charter. What's your problem? And... Um, how dare you say that it's anything but because then you're just asking for special privileges. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's them taking the idea of equity, not equality, equity and 
treating it as though asking for equity is asking for special privileges Mm -hmm. and that that somehow culminates in discrimination against whatever the dominant culture is Mm -hmm. and the dominant purveyors of power, I guess is what you could say. Yeah. There's a great conceptual visual conceptualization of equity and it's, you know, three people behind a, is that the yeah. fence one? The fence one, okay. right? And there's yeah. these basically different sized risers that they're standing on so that they can all see. Right. And the, the different sized risers reflects the fact that they have different heights. They're, they're of different heights. Uh, I like it because it, it visualizes what, what folks who support equity are trying to communicate, which is we come from different starting places. Now, we well maybe those starting places for all kinds of different reasons. Yeah. Implicit bias, historical prejudices, structures of power that keep people out of uh, positions of authority, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it allows us to see that that's what we're thinking. Bernier imagines a world in which everyone is born and the risers is, is flat and everyone's the same height. And then what you do determines how tall you get. Yeah. As if, you know, you're completely in control of it. And that's just wrong, right? Yeah. It's, just, it's just demonstrably untrue. That there's all kinds of things that have no effect, that you have very little control over that affect you. And that's what we try to adjust for. And that's the mark of, of an advanced... Uh, just societies that, that the folks are aware of that and they adjust accordingly mm-hmm. and sometimes that means disproportionate treatment um support for folks for a time to enable that those changes to take root mm-hmm. and that's what we're talking about here but the fact that bernie and blatchford don't get it i mean i'm not surprised but it's just shallow thinking and and um you know there's, but there's lots of that out there um, and it usually I, comes from people who are in positions of privilege too yeah and what what, bother, what what's too bad is though, and I've seen this, you know, growing up where I, the, where I grew up and the way I grew up, is that sometimes later when when people do make it, they then sort of say, well, yeah, but I worked for all of this. Yeah. So if they were able to squeak through, you know, if you're able to escape the orbit into which you were born, there are those who say, well, okay, now how do I bring others along with me? Yeah. And then there are some who say, well. Uh, you know, I got out, so you figure it out for yourself. Yeah. Right? You know that old joke. <laughs> One of my favorite jokes is, uh, you know, I was on social assistance for years and nobody helped me you know there's this this, that's in parks and rec but it's another place you know there's this conception that if you make it out it's all on it's all you but if someone doesn't make it um it's all on them right even though maybe you've had privileges that that you aren't aware of and everybody's had help in this world shut the fuck up well it's a communal thing yeah like yeah the problem is liberalism in the sense that liberalism as as a philosophy, small L liberalism, encourages us to think of ourselves in terms of individual yeah. capacity, individual yeah. performance, when what we ought to be doing is thinking in terms of community. Well, it's, um, you know, I was on, so I'm on panels every now and then. I did a diversity panel in Canada Tech World. Oh. Yeah. And, uh, cause they have money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so basically what I was saying was we're, we, so we talked about implicit bias and we talked about this and we talked about that. We talked about the individual, but I had to stop and say, we haven't talked about structural issues here. And what I want to convey is that the, there is a structure of bias that is at play here. So to blame it all on the individual is incorrect. Yeah. And um, it just means that when you do make those individual efforts, um, you know, the, the validity 
of the concept rises and falls with that individual. Mm -hmm. So it's, well, multiculturalism doesn't work out because, you know, Tony and whoever is, 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 is not integrating, mm -hmm. right? So it must be them. And it must be because they personally didn't do it. It must be the concept. I mean, I'll give you a, a, a great example. There was a years ago, there was a paper called Beyond SES, Beyond Social Economic Status. Political scientists, Veraba and, and his colleagues, were arguing that um, part of what underwrites civic capacity are skills. And those skills are learned um, outside of the classroom. They're mm -hmm. learned in church groups. They're learned in the Boy Scouts. They're learned, you know, civil society groups. Those skills are then taken and used politically and otherwise. Yeah. And that's how people get what they want, including wealth and political outcomes and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a chance to learn those skills as a young person, mm -hmm. because maybe you don't have the money to attend things, yeah. maybe you live rurally and you can't actually get to them, they don't right. exist where you are, all kinds of things that you have no control over, you don't have th that power that the other folks who have those skills have, and it's very hard to catch up. Mm -hmm. So that's a great example of, of inequities that are built into things you have no control over. You're right. born into poverty, you're born outside of a city where these things exist, or in a community where they don't exist, and you don't have a chance to build skills, you don't have a chance to build skills, you and can't connections. get what you want. And well, and, and that's on top of the networking thing. Yeah. So then there's the networking, of course, which allows you to get into the rooms with people. Yeah. And get opportunities. You know that. So these are the things that you don't think of if you think everyone is equal and, and charts their own course. What are you going to say to a kid? Well, you shouldn't have been born into poverty, or you shouldn't have been born into a rural community where they don't have the civic groups that they have in certain urban communities. Right. Yeah, of course not. A child doesn't choose that. They have no chance to leave. And and so, you know, or for instance, maybe you have to act as a caregiver. Mm -hmm. Well, now, of course, you don't have time to go do this right. stuff. And you're going to say, And what? you're isolated. And you're isolated, yeah. yeah. And then you say, well, no, it was your personal choice to care for your parents or your grandparents? Yeah. No. To hell with that. So um, this is the problem of, of the sort of liberal thinking that doesn't then check itself uh, to make sure <laughs> that it isn't biased. And and so I'm not, again, I mean, I'm not surprised to see it because I see it all the time, uh -huh. but it's lazy and... Uh, it and is quite lazy. Because yeah, this stuff's not hard to look up. It's <laughs> in, it, it, like, literally, like, it's intellectually lazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's why, like, I honestly believe that... Um, well, I, I think that Maxine Bernier is a tool in general. <laughs> so, I mean, there's that. Um, I don't, I think he represents, um, an interesting, how should I say? He represents an, an, an interesting offshoot of the conservative party. Mm -hmm. Um, and I say interesting, not because I care about what they stand for, because we all know what they stand for, but, um, just what's interesting to me is the type of rigor that they expect from everyone else is not something that they demonstrate on a regular basis, on any basis, yeah. actually. Yeah. And so, um, and the same thing with, with Christy Blatchford. I don't believe her columns are any sort, have any sort of intellectual rigor whatsoever. It's just like a bunch of old people yelling at the sun for shining. You know what I mean? How it's dare you? It is the Marco Duentes. And the fact that they are driving some like some sort of discussion is exactly the problem. I mean, so uh, this is the way I see it. There's nothing wrong 
Uh, over the last few years, I've, I've become a columnist, and I've spent a lot of time thinking about that because I'm a political scientist by training. I'm, I do media commentary, I write books, but I, you know, I, I have written a book. <laughs> I intend to write more. Um, but I've you know, become a commentator and columnist, and it's something I take seriously. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with common sense or an intuition sparking an idea. Mm-hmm. The question is, do you then test it, do the research, check it against something out, uh, outside of your head? Mm-hmm. And I think the weakness in, in Blatchford and Wente and some others as, as columnists is that they have intuitions or common sense, which is fine, but they never check it. Mm-hmm. They never challenge it. They never mm-hmm. make, take the extra step to say, is what I'm thinking actually true and supported by the data? Mm-hmm. And that, I think, what makes a better columnist is someone who says, oh, I, I, I've talked to someone, and I have this idea, or I've, I've witnessed this phenomenon, I have this idea. Uh, let me chase it down a little bit to see if it's actually defensible. And that makes a good column, is that you know, common sense or intuition backed by research. Right. They just do the first bit, I think not so much the second bit, and then they get into all kinds of trouble because they don't go that, that extra mile. Uh, or I said, maybe that extra meter. You like literally Google. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's funny you should mention that because lately when I do my like my little Twitter threads, I or I say something, I always I now include links. Yes. And a lot of links mm-hmm. also because this podcast means that. <laughs> you remember shit sure you're like you're like i remember i remember i feel like we did x yeah which means there's a link yes right so um so like personally that's what i do and i've noticed that i started doing that and i think it's just because like i feel like now maybe i should provide some backup to what i'm saying yeah just so that whoever comes with an alternative alternate view or whatever has something substantive to to grasp and that um it's just evidence for it's just evidence evidence. for where i'm going and why i'm going this way it's what you teach you know high schoolers when you teach them how to write an essay i was just gonna say that i'm like isn't that essay writing it's essay writing 101 and what, what gets me is you know look peer reviewed research including the most rigorous peer-reviewed research there is, often starts from an intuition, a hunch, right? Or some common sense a observation. Hypothesis. Yeah, exactly. And the, but then you put it through the tester. Now you can't do that with every, you can't peer review columns, but you can, you can test them a little bit. Uh, ditto Twitter commentary. Yeah. I mean, you can, there, it doesn't have to be peer reviewed, you know, over the course of a year, you can in a couple of hours, a couple of days, depending on your timelines, challenge it a little bit and, and buttress it. And I don't think people expect you to have everything figured out from the start. It's Mm-mm. a conversation, but I think they expect you to engage in good faith with some degree of, of, of awareness that there's evidence out there that you can check. Mm-hmm. And some people do that and some people don't. Sometimes it's laziness. Sometimes it's bad faith. Sometimes it's both. Um, but the dialogue is, is all the poor for not having done that. So it's something I, I try to, to I hold feel like Twitter is the ultimate peer review. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but not always on the best. No, no, no. Standard. Sometimes they, it's blind peer review, and so far as anonymous trolls. Call yes, you yes, yes, yes. Well, something gets reviewed. I can tell you oh. that. <laughs> <laughs> so, what would you? What kind of um, advice would you give to people who are reading these columns? And so, you know, how do you separate the wheat from the chafe, so to speak? Well, uh, you know, the first thing I think is is whenever you see someone commentating 
providing media analysis, whatever, um, immediately strip them of their authority as human beings and focus on, on what they're saying, whether or not it's defensive. I mean, it, it becomes really easy to look at someone and say, well, they're a professor or they're a yeah. tenured columnist. They've been there for years yeah. or whatever. They must be right. Yeah. Uh, that's not true. Or they, wrong. Or wrong. Depending right? on depending which side you're on. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, that it, it ought to be, and this is, a, an, again, this is an old liberal argument. It ought to be the authority of the argument, not the authority of the person. Mm-hmm. And that's often hard to disaggregate. I mm-hmm. mean, you, you know, we think we do that automatically. We don't. Really. Mm-hmm. Again, this is implicit bias so we've got to you've got to arrest that you got to say okay i'm going to try to listen to this and take it in good faith um and then uh, you know over time you find people that you that tend to be right more often than wrong and then you can kind of trust them a little bit more as a shortcut as a as a heuristic but i mean the, the i think the thing you can do today that will go the farthest is try to abstract the argument from the person mm-hmm. which doesn't come naturally it isn't easy it doesn't happen automatically but it can be done, which is how I find myself agreeing with people I don't like all the time mm-hmm. and disagreeing with people I do like all mm-hmm. the time. Um, and, and when that happens to you, it's going to be a little jarring and you're not going to like it because it's going to create cognitive dissonance. Because mm-hmm. cognitively, we want to l- agree with people we like mm-hmm. and we want to disagree with people we don't like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not going to do you any good. It's bad for public discourse. It's bad for you. Uh, the best thing to do is to, to try to do that abstract and then to be to be, you know, to recognize that it's okay, that it's going to make you uncomfortable, mm-hmm. um, and then to give credit where it's due. That's what I try to do. And and here's, and finally, I'll end on this point: uh, you will fail at it sometimes, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Just start again. Yeah, yeah. So except uh, for Jordan Peterson, who's never right about anything. Oh, for fuck's sake! I have a problem with the University of Toronto. <laughs> like they 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 shined him up let him loose put him on panels gave him notoriety and then they're like oh whoops yeah like fuck you you know i I say two of my least favorite people in the world jordan peterson and 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 slavo zizek but i watched zizek dismantle peterson the other day and had this moment of because they had their their debate in toronto and had this moment of right there are people out there who can dismantle peterson and make him look like the intellectual uh lightweight that he is and when he's set up against someone like zizek who is his own hot mess but but Mm -hmm. is better than peterson who is zizek um oh i feel like i've started something zizek I'll leave you to explore, Zizek. But um, but he pulled him apart, and it's it's nice that when he's put to see that when he's put on a stage with someone who who knows what they're talking about as much of a, of a mess that Zizek is in many ways, um, he's shown to be the intellectual lightweight that I think he is. The debate of the century, oh, yeah, according to the Guardian. Yeah. Oh. How Jordan Peterson lost. Well, because <laughs> he, he was gassed up to be something that he wasn't. That's how he lost, okay? Anyway, um, so back to Bernier, the intellectual lightweight that he is. So um, there we have it, folks. Uh, misogynist of the week, Maxime Bernier, um, intellectual lightweight, um, you know, I'd like to call him a fog blower of <laughs> some sort because he's all talk and no substance. Our misogynist of the week. So where can people find you, David? 
can find me on Twitter, David uh, at David underscore Mosscrop. I have a book out in the wild right now, Too Dumb for Democracy, Why We Make Bad Political Decisions, How We Make Better Ones. Uh, I actually want to read this book, which I is a big you would thing like for it. me. I would I, be very <laughs> curious to hear what you think, but I think you would like it. Uh, and I, I and I'd like to know what you think because um, it, it could use, I think, some intersectional pushback probably. Oh, um, we'll talk about it over Brie and Chablis. Yeah, it'd be very <laughs> nice. Good champagne socialists. <laughs> and uh, while we don't talk or care about workers, like um, certain leftists I know, yeah, won't name names. Well, today, that's but, okay. Uh, I know some uh, too. <laughs> and you can also find me wandering around the Rideau Center Mall. Oh, really? Yes, because yeah, you, like yeah. I, well, I, I don't, I, I like walking around malls. Really? Yeah, I do. I genuinely do. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I like going outside, obviously, too. I like parks. I like art galleries. I also, but I genuinely like being in malls. I still need to go to OAG, by the way. It's very nice. Yes. It's it's a nice place. The restaurant, me and Aaron were there, it's beautiful. Really? Yeah. Brie and Chablis? in that restaurant oh yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh yeah oh the nods oh, from the yeah. peanut gallery yeah yeah yeah, yeah. all it, right it'll cost you it's gonna run you it's oh, gonna run you a couple of dollars i i i can only imagine i can only imagine anyway find us at bad and bitchy that's on twitter uh instagram bad and bitchy pod facebook forward slash bad and b podcast email us and I guess you can email us, you know, your bullshit, but <laughs> don't think you'll like the response. Uh, badandbpod at gmail.com. We have merch, redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash badandbitchy. Don't ask me how I remember that by memory. All right, David, you ready? I am. One, two, three. Bye. 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 Bad and bullshit. Thank <laughs> you.